We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. It is the Monday morning edition of the Pack a Day podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. How you doing, everybody? I'm Alex Strofe, rocking with you to kick off your week with the best daily Packers podcast out there. Joining me, as always, my great friends Perry Goldstein and Andy Herman. Happy Monday, my friends. Happy Monday, Alex and Perry. Happy I guess. Monday, Alex. Love your energy. Well, I, I love your energy as well, Perry, as we're recording this on Sunday night, of course. It's almost your bedtime. You're a real trooper for sticking it out with us, but uh, excited to dive into all things Packers as it was kind of an exciting weekend and, uh, you know, kind of a boring weekend, I guess, in other aspects. But let's start with the big news that Adam Schefter reported on Sunday, guys. Uh, It's looking like a 17-game season, or regular season, that is. Could be in the cards. Andy, I want to start your direction because you, you went on a, you had a nice little thread on Twitter where you were a little confused with the reaction uh, to the possibility of a 17-game regular season. Your thoughts on all this, buddy? Yeah, so first of all, this is obviously well expected, and you really the only news here is that Schefter kind of tweeted it today. Um, this was expected all, always. This, you know, As soon as the opportunity was available, you knew the NFL was going to go to a 17-game season. Uh, they've wanted this for so long, so this was nothing unexpected in any way, shape, or form. But it does sound like this is now officially, officially, officially going to happen, and I'm still mostly confused. And I know when this originally started, um, I found out very quickly that I was in the minority 
majority of people that seemingly are very much uh, for wanting an extra game, a 17th game, um, and I don't 100% understand why. So I get, first of all, that from a, a player safety or you know wear and tear on the, the player's body standpoint, I can certainly understand and respect that that standpoint 100%. But if, if you kind of look at it, you know, the fourth preseason game, uh, what, let's say that that probably becomes the, the new third preseason game where starters and everyone is resting in the in the third preseason game now. So this likely takes away, what, maybe two or three series that a starting caliber player would have played, which maybe they play, what, like 25 snaps in, in a given game, uh, in a preseason game. And, like, in a regular game, it, like, usually it's somewhere around, like, 65. So we're talking about, for a starting caliber player, about 40 extra snaps. And for the majority of, like, the fringe-level players and, you know, mediocre to worse players, it's either probably equal or less snaps than what they'd play probably even in a preseason game. So I don't necessarily see that this extra, what, 40 to, you know, 45 snaps on any given player is, like, that much insane wear and tear. Now, I would have loved, loved, loved for them to add in an extra bye week as well. There's no reason for there not to be an extra bye week. You get extra TV revenue for an 18th week. You let bodies, you know, the players' bodies rest and get rest and recovery, which is very much needed. So I definitely think that there's ways that they could have done this better. But as a fan, you're asking me if I would like to trade out a preseason game, which is like nobody watches except the hardcore fans, which, to be fair, I am one of them and I enjoy preseason games, but... Uh, you're asking me to trade out a preseason game for a regular season game and want me to not be okay with it or upset? Like, I do not get it. I legitimately a million percent do not get it. And if you want to talk, like, records or things like that, well, it's not like we've had the same amount of games from, like, the Super Bowl era onward. Like, the the NFL has changed multiple times and added games multiple times throughout uh, the history of the NFL. So the, the records are not all created equal throughout time anyway. I'm sure there will be a time in the future when there is an 18th game or so on and so forth. Like, I just, I'm really, really struggling to see the downside. So maybe one of you can talk some sense into me, but I am all for more regular season football in exchange for less preseason football. (laughs) I wouldn't say that I'm all for it, but I'm definitely in the indifferent camp. I, I don't necessarily understand why it's a bad thing. Same as Andy, like more football. More football and extended regular season sounds great to me. I'd love to watch the Packers for another week. Um, I think it's more about the way that they're doing it. And Andy kind of touched on all the points that I was going to make as well. Like I worry about the players' bodies and and wear and tear. They're already so banged up by the end of the year. Like you don't want to be even more banged up going into potentially the playoffs. Like you want that health and longevity. Um, So I wish, too, that they had added – um, an extra bye week uh, that would have made sense. Um, I don't see any reason why you can't just extend the season another week if you're already doing it once already. Um, I think there's like a certain level of unevenness to a 17 week season or 17 game season. Excuse me. Um, I don't know if it's I just like whole number like even numbers, but I, I think 17 games seems odd to me. But um, yeah, I mean Andy hit it all. I, I don't really have a problem with it at all. So, Perry, that said, let me ask you this. Are you one of those individuals that, like, when the volume on a television is an, or an odd number, does it, does it get you a little, like, 
unkilter. Do you not like <laughs> no, that? No, I'm not that crazy. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, some people have the OCD, I mean, to the, to the max, right? It, for, it just yeah. feels like for this, you know, there's 32 teams, yeah. 16 games, four teams in a division. It all just, like, felt really nice and wrapped up, and now there's yeah. this extra 17, I don't know. So if it was 18 it's, weeks, it's, then... It's so, it's so hard to make an argument, but, like, you know what? I love, love, love the sport of football, but you know what? It's an odd number, so I'm going to pass on more football. Like, I just, I'm not I, passing I, I, on more football. I'm happy about more football. I'm just saying there's a level of unevenness that I don't love about it. That's uh, fair, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess it's fair. I, I'm intrigued to see what they're going to do on the scheduling side of things. I don't know how far they've gotten into that process, if they'll do an AFC-NFC, just kind of random uh, a matchup with that 17th game. But I'm intrigued to see, A, what they do there, and then, B, how it affects the preseason. I've always been kind of in a, a similar camp, Andy, but maybe even more negative towards preseason. I don't think you need more than – Two games to strongly evaluate. I think you will probably disagree with me there, but no, I agree. The I preseason. Agree I mean, the preseason's mostly a money grab from the NFL anyway, so you might as well do that in the regular season rather than in August when all it's about is is uh, you know the people getting drunk at Lambeau Field. That's really what uh, th- those preseason games, at least to me, seem like they're for. So I'd rather see a, a meaningful football game than a meaningless football game outside of outside of scouting and really understanding who's going to be that 53rd guy uh, on your squad. But all around, I I like this. I think it makes sense. I'm kind of with Perry in in terms of it's a weird number. I like making the 8-8 jokes that we're not going to be able to make anymore. Yeah, that's fair. You're going to have to just say 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. I've already yeah. I've thought this through. You're going to have to say, you know, you're shooting for an 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one season if you want to say, you know, 500. But, uh, no, I do agree with you, Alex. I do think uh, two preseason games would more than suffice moving forward. I, I said that this was probably, oh, I want to say eight years ago, I think I wrote an article that said the, the most logical thing to do that would make sense for both sides would be to trade two preseason games for one regular season game in a bye week because, um, you know, then in that scenario, you know, you're really taking away more where, like, yeah, you give up, you know, you have to play one more regular season game, but you get an extra bye week and don't have to play two preseason games, like, and then that's, you know, one potential less week of travel. Like, I think overall that makes so much sense for both the players and the teams. Um, I would love to see them still uh, take away one preseason game and add in that other bye week. And the other thing that I'd like to see on top of that, that I've said, is that I would like to see that, like, if you do add a bye week, that every team that plays on Thursday night has a mandatory bye week prior to the Thursday night game, so you don't have the crazy wear and tear of Sunday football going into Thursday football, which every player hates. So it's almost like you get a, a bye week, and then you get kind of that extended uh, week off as well, so that you know within a three week period, basically you're playing you know one football game. So uh, that, that's how I would like to see it done. But um, there's a lot of money that goes into these decisions that I'm sure make it not that way. One hundred. But I do love that idea. It makes a lot of sense, and I think we're all in the same boat, at least in terms of, right, you want your players the healthiest they can be. You don't want the long-term effects of injuries, you know, hurting these players. So, yes, I I think we're all on the same page there. So it'll be interesting to see how they actually implement this, assuming they will go forward, as Adam Schefter uh, reports that they are planning on it. So uh, we will see. As time rolls on. Now, as we are in the middle of the offseason, I said, you know, it's kind of been an exciting weekend. That was the exciting news. Kind of not been in other regards. This would be the other regards, uh, as the Packers are the only team in the National Football League to not bring in an outside free agent so far. 
this offseason. We figured it'd be fun to give our grades. Let's evaluate Brian Gutekunst and company, how they have handled this offseason thus far. I know Andy's been itching uh, to, to talk about this one, what his grade will be. I, I think he's going to be a little bit more Debbie Downer than Perry and I, <laughs> but we'll see. Andy, how would you grade the Packers offseason thus far? Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through a couple things really quick before I give my ultimate grade here. So uh, first of all, I have a very famous tweet from a few years ago uh, when the, the Bears had kind of just missed the playoffs, and, or excuse me, made the playoffs and had the, the double doink, which made them get out of the playoffs early. And everyone was very bullish on the Bears. They had Khalil Mack, you know, Mitch Trubisky was still apparently an ascending player. Um, you know, they had Allen Robinson. And again, we're coming off of a, a playoff appearance where they were expected to do better than that, and everyone thought that the Bears were still on the ascend. And um, I had famously tweeted out that, you know, the the Bears had, you know, dropped some players in free agency, like a Bryce Callahan. Um, you know, they went from Adrian Amos to HaHa Clinton Dix and uh, made a few other moves. I think they, if I remember correctly, I want to say they lost Jordan Howard, or they lost one of their running backs, brought in Mike Davis. Um, and, like, they didn't really have much draft capital. They couldn't spend a ton of money in free agency because they had just given Khalil Mack a ton of money. And I said the Bears' window is closing way faster than anyone thinks, and it may not even be open at all or something to that effect. And Bears fans went off, and I mean they went absolutely off. And my whole day was ruined because my mentions were just blowing up, and um, it was crazy. But it ultimately proved right, and my thought process at the time and why I was, I guess, somewhat prescient at the time was uh, if to me in the NFL, if you're not getting better – you are getting worse. If you are, even if you're staying in the realm of the same, you are getting worse. So if you would tell me that any team in any off season, you know, is coming off a, a tough playoff loss, or you know, even if they weren't coming off a playoff loss, but basically they stayed the same, save for lost an All Pro center, um, you know, lost some depth along their offensive line and made a change from Mike Pettin to Joe Barry as defensive coordinator, and that's all they did all offseason, I would say that that team is on the decline because there's a lot of teams that are getting better, that are adding players, that are aggressively uh, trying to open up a window to try to win a championship and a Super Bowl, and you can't just count on players on your own roster getting better and hoping that players are going to step up that maybe didn't a season ago because guess who else is hoping the exact same things? 31 other teams. 31 other teams are hoping that the guys in year two and year three on their rosters are also going to take a jump. Uh, 31 other teams also have draft classes that they are hoping are going to be able to come in and help them this year. And guess what? Green Bay has one of the lowest values of draft classes uh, because they're picking at the bottom of the draft, of course. So um, I'm not saying that Green Bay can't be better. I'm not saying that Green Bay can't win a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that, uh, you, you know, that, that Green Bay shouldn't have gone this route given the cap constraints that they were given. But I do think it's fair to say that if you would say that any team just lost their all-pro center, some depth along the offensive line, and just changed defensive coordinators, and that's their offseason, that that's not getting better. And to me, that's a, a C minus D plus. And I know they did some creative things to be able to keep a Preston Smith and bring back Aaron Jones and do some things like that. And, and those are all things that I think are worth mentioning. And, and whether you think those are good moves or not, your mileage may vary uh, on those things. But um, overall, I, I just don't think you can make an argument that this team got better. And because of that, I, I think I'd have to say, you know, C minus D plus up until this point. 
All right, C minus, D plus for Andy Perry. You're going higher, you're going lower. How would you evaluate the Packers offseason thus far? I feel somewhat similarly to Andy. Um, I'd say keeping Aaron Jones is what's um, keeping my grade a little bit higher than Andy's. I have him at a C plus, and I just view it as, like, very average. Like, what is the most average? You didn't do anything great. You didn't do anything terrible, right? They didn't do anything crazy unless you think bringing Kevin King back is a terrible move, which is your own prerogative. But um, they just didn't do anything to wow. You know, there's nothing above average about this offseason, and I understand the constraints that they were under. Um, And I think the only thing that's sort of saving, if you will, this grade is the fact that they kept one of their best weapons on offense, and I appreciate what they did in the contract that they were able to sign with Aaron Jones because I think it's a wonderful deal and so um, I have them at a C plus but um, I I completely agree with Andy I just think that it's um, they didn't add anything to me that signals that they're going to get better this season and again there's still the draft and you know seeing what the young guys can do but um, I, I have it at just straight average. I'm right there with you. I'll, I'll go just a step below you at C. I, I think it is as average as can be. But I think it is important to note, as you guys have done, that maybe the best free agent that was set to hit the open market is with Green Bay. While they didn't go outside for him, they got Aaron Jones back. And I think that uh, is good enough to put them at the C. You mentioned the constraints, Perry. Uh, Andy's talked about it uh, plenty the last several weeks with the cap space, and we know everybody on YouTube loves when he does that. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, give it a good laugh, Andy. Uh, but, look, overall, disappointed. I, I think if you talk to anybody on YouTube or Twitter, any, any diehard Packers fan, they've been relatively disappointed with the lack of moves and the lack of transactions that the Packers have made. We haven't seen any trades. We haven't seen any outside signings. And that's relatively disappointing. But we certainly know the constraints. We know the night is still young. We still have the draft coming up. Um, And obviously a lot of moves to be made within the summer and preseason before we really get there. But as of right now, it is no higher than a C for me. Uh, I've been relatively disappointed. but, But again, I think it is really important to mention Aaron Jones was a bigger move than I think Packers Nation likes to give it credit for. So we're all roughly in the same ballpark there. And, and I think you bring up really a couple of great points that you know we should have probably addressed up front, Alex, in the fact that, one, the offseason is young. It is. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
not over yet. Just because they haven't signed anyone in the first couple weeks does not mean that they can't still sign players. It doesn't mean that they can't have a home run draft. It doesn't. Again, it doesn't mean that they can't be a good team. So we know that the night is still young. We know that roster building is a 365-day-a-year process. And again, as I mentioned, it doesn't mean that Green Bay can't be good. It doesn't mean they can't be great. And as I look across the NFC as a whole, you know, to me, the NFC West is going to be insanely tough. Tampa is going to be insanely tough. And then, you know, right there, I put Green Bay with, with really any of those teams as still being able to compete at the highest of levels in the NFC and would go as far as to say, I think they win the North easily. So this is still a very good football team, and keeping this team together has a lot of benefits, um, but they still have work to do if they want to get back into an NFC championship game and, and hopefully this time, third time's a charm, uh, go out and, and get past that and hopefully get to and win a Super Bowl. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Yeah, I think that's that's where all the concern comes in, right? There hasn't been a move that's really put Green Bay over the top and into a position at least, you know, at the end of March where we're saying, yeah, now they look like a Super Bowl team where they haven't looked that way the last two years. The night's still young, so that said, let's dive into maybe a move that you'd still like to see the Packers make as free agency in the offseason rolls on. And Andy, I'll start with you again. We'll go to Perry after. All right, so uh, as as I kind of look at the Packers' biggest weakness right now, it's one that, and apparently maybe some people have been talking about it, but for the most part I haven't seen a ton of talk about, and and that's the Packers' offensive line. And I think if – if David Bakhtiari's healthy, I think you probably feel pretty good with Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Lucas Patrick, maybe John Runyon Jr. filling in in that right guard spot, and then Billy Turner at right tackle, right? I think you can feel fairly good about that position overall. Uh, but even then, you're losing some depth. Rick Wagner's gone as of right now. Lane Taylor's gone. Corey Lindsley's gone. Like, that was easily one of the most impressive and best aspects of the Packers this past season was the depth and talent along their offensive line. And add to that the fact that David Bakhtiari is not healthy and he may start the, the season either on, um, you know, NFL injured list or, you know, whatever they need to do um, in just not healthy week one. Uh, that even adds to that even more. So, you know, probably what, Elton Jenkins starting at left tackle right now, maybe John Runyon Jr. at left guard, Lucas Patrick at center, Billy Turner right tackle. And then what, are you having Simon Stepaniak or Ben Braden fight it out for right guard? Um, and then again, the depth beyond that is is brutal. Um, you could bring in certainly some players in the draft for three rounds, uh, but then you're you're banking on a rookie to come in and potentially play right away as well. So I think Green Bay has a lot of question marks along this offensive line. 
a couple of players that I could easily see making some sense. Dennis Kelly, uh, the tackle for the Titans, who played in Matt LaFleur's system when LaFleur was there as a offensive coordinator. Um, he's been used prior as a swing tackle, also as like a sixth offensive lineman on a lot of plays, um, especially when LaFleur was there. Um, can play left tackle, can play right tackle, was a starter last season. Um, kind of very similar in uh, of a Rick Wagner type signing where you don't know if he's going to start. You know, probably would start to begin the season if Bakhtiari wasn't able to go, uh, but definitely provides a ton of depth. So that could be someone that makes sense. And then Austin Blythe, same thing, is played within uh, that Sean McVay system, um, would fit very well within Green Bay. Um, and I think somebody that could really solidify the interior of their offensive line, especially, again, if you need to kick somebody like an Elton Jenkins out to tackle for a little while, it just gives you some versatility. Versatility. Blythe could probably play center or either guard positions, which uh, adds to that as well. So uh, just a couple names there that I think could, could potentially add to that position that I think is a real weakness or a potential weakness for Green Bay right now. I think that's interesting, Andy, because I think that's the position group, at least us three, praised the most throughout the, uh, the course of the season last year. But losing Lindsley, obviously a big blow. So interesting to see what happens there. Perry, uh, looking at weaknesses uh, for the Packers. Yeah, I'm going to flip it and go to the other side of the line, um, and it's still defensive line, and I know Andy agrees with me because he's been saying this for now, what, two off-seasons, Andy? But yep. seriously, like, someone's got to get Kenny Clark some help here, and and they've lost, I mean, even the depth this off-season in Tyler Lancaster, it's essentially Kenny and Kingsley Kiki, who I think could develop into a really nice player, but when he was on the field this past season, he showed that he's much more of a pass rusher than... Um, than a run stuffer and then Dean Lowry and and no hate at all to Kingsley Kiki or Dean Lowry but that's not a a great amount of help for a guy like Kenny Clark who does so much work and gets like I think very little credit around the league and I just would love to see the Packers bring in someone or potentially draft someone this season I don't know um, who can let Kenny Clark you know be more of an impact player than he is when he's just getting double teams and it would help the entire line um they brought in snacks and I think it was actually Maggie who said it to me he played like 12 snaps um and I get that snacks Harrison is much older and I doubt that he would be re-signed at all I think he's still a free agent so um I hope that the Packers potentially bring in someone on the line I think Danny Shelton is a name that's been thrown out there I think that he would be a really nice depth piece he's much younger than snacks right he's only 27 um and he, he had, I think, a little bit of an injury last season. He only played 12 games. But I, I think it would be just a really nice um, kind of rotational player to have there because that's like one injury to any one of those players, and you're really, really thin on the line. And we saw, you know, it was the trenches that won the Super Bowl, right? So um, I think the Packers really, really need somebody up there with, with Kenny Clark to help them out. And, and Perry, to your point, uh, what happens if Kenny Clark goes out for any extended exactly. period of time right now? Like, yeah. you know, like, you're, are you going to go with what Dean Lowry and uh, Kingsley Kiki and Willington Prevalon as your yeah. defensive line? Like, we're, and again, we're, we're we all are very very aware that we are on March 28th as we're recording this, and March 29th as you're listening to this, and we've got a little bit of time until the next game is set to be played. But uh, this is why these conversations are fun to have in the off season. We know that the the Packers are not going to go into September with Clark, Lowry, Kiki, and Willington Prevalon as their top four defensive linemen. But 
as we sit here today, um, I think it's a really fair concern. And again, I shudder to think at this very moment uh, what would happen if, it, it, look, even if, right, even if Green Bay goes defensive tackle in rounds one and two and ignores everything else. Like, even if they go defensive tackle round one and two and Kenny Clark misses an extended period of time, I still have concerns over the defensive line, which is crazy to say, but I think you bring up a great point, Perry. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. Pop quiz, what number does Willie, Willington Prevalon wear? Do you know off the top of your head? I'm going to say, oh, shh. A 99 came to my head, but I don't think that's right. Okay, Perry. 99. It's 99. Oh, you're both. You're so positive. I wonder how many people listening at home knew that, because I'll be honest. I didn't know what number he wore. I at least the only knew who he was. Know, the only reason I know that is because I looked it up when there were, we were on JJ Watch, and I wanted ah. to know who he'd have to take it from. <laughs> Well, it would have been a, a good, an easy take, then, I think, from Willington Prevalon. But nonetheless, I'll stay on the defensive side of the ball for the weaknesses here. And it seems like as long as I've been a Packers fan, this answer is fair. And that's the interior linebackers, right? We like what we saw to Chris Barnes. We like what we saw to Kamal Martin. Uh, we like Ty Summers. We're still kind of in and out on Oren Burks, right? The depth concerns me. It has for the last, it feels like, 10 years. Um, but but it's still early. They're obviously going to go at least, you know, late draft one or two picks uh, to help uh, throw some depth together there. But as we stand right now, there's no big names, interior linebackers. Uh, but like I said, we like so far, I, I think, what we've seen out of Barnes and the little bit we've seen out of Martin from last year. Uh, but there is room to grow. So that is the position group I'll go with. But I think uh, both of the ones you guys brought up, certainly the top of the list for me, um, and I feel like a lot of other people, uh, the, the lines uh, as the depth is certainly concerning at this point, certainly concerning. All right, uh, let's look at the free agency market. As obviously the last few weeks it has started to whittle down. A lot of players flying off the boards. Is there a particular player, maybe a couple, that are still out there that you'd like to see the Packers go after? Andy, I know, uh, I know you've probably got a few names off the top of the head. Yeah, I mentioned Dennis Kelly and um, Austin Blythe are two yep. players that I'd like. But 
I don't even know that I love this from a scheme standpoint, and I think it's a little bit overplayed, but at the same token, come on, who doesn't want to see a reunion with Casey Hayward to maybe make up for a mistake that was done previously? I get that he wasn't the same player a season ago, but you can't tell me that Casey Hayward can't come in right now and compete with Shannon Sullivan in the slot or Kevin King on the outside. He gives you the opportunity to play either position if you need him to, and then, you know, of course you can still attack the draft at corner as well, and now you've, you know, really rounded out that position. So uh, Hayward, I would just love to see uh, come in where that number 29 in Green Bay, and again, maybe make up for a mistake that happened previously. I like it. I like it. Perry, any names coming to mind for you? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned Danny Shelton. That feels more, like, realistic, right? Um, I think that's been floated around. Maybe, like, Correll Patterson would be fun um, since he's still a free agent and Tyler Irvin just met with the Bills. Um, to me, you know, you want to talk about someone who's still out there that I think could be, like, an immediate impact, and I guess the Kevin King signing really kiboshed this if it wasn't already – not feasible, but I mean, come on, Richard Sherman, like what kind of signing would that be for the Packers? It would, I I think if you want to talk about going all in, like why not get one of the best cornerbacks in the league still, um, still graded, I think in the top four alongside Jair Alexander, like that to me feels like the Packers are saying to everybody, not just its fans, but the league, like we're ready, like we're, we're going to upgrade and and we're going to go out there and we're going to win this thing this year. But I know that that's, you know, a reach, and, and Richard Sherman is going to have to garner a, a large payday. Although, I don't know, he's still a free agent, so maybe not. Um, but I would, I think that would just be so fun. Yeah, definitely a lot of fun. He's still out there for a reason. So I, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued to see what the price tag is for a guy like Sherman, an aging cornerback uh, who's certainly, I mean, been an all-pro guy, been at the top of the league uh, previously, but interested to see what the, what the number is. For, for yeah. a guy like him. Uh, Bashad Breland, also another corner out there that could set up a potential reunion. How do you guys feel about Bashad Breland possibly coming back to Green Bay? I don't think that either. Uh, he, he played real nicely with the, with the Chiefs. I, yeah. I wouldn't hate that. He definitely played better in KC than he did in Green Bay while he was here for a cup of coffee. Um, I wouldn't hate it, but it wouldn't really move the needle for me either. That's totally fair. Uh, and, Perry, you mentioned the name Corderell Patterson. I, I like that you mentioned it because that's, that's one that might shake things up, right? I mean, you've got a lack of depth at running back and wide receiver. It's a guy that plays both, and he plays both at a you know pretty high level. Obviously, he's aging at this point. He's been bouncing around the league at least a little bit the past few years. But it's, it's a move that could really provide some decent depth. It's not like he'd be an every-down guy for Green Bay. Um, I, and to use your term, Andy, I don't know if that moves the needle a ton, but I think it'd be a really fun addition, Corderell Patterson. Yeah, and you talk about, like, the Packers have been bottom of the league in special teams for how long that we could remember, and right. and you don't sign a free agent just for special teams, but Corderell Patterson would be an immediate upgrade there. Yeah, that's a great point as well. I mean, not only is he, you know, arguably the best kick returner in the NFL right now, uh, but he's an easy upgrade over Tyler Irvin at both a wide receiver and, you know, as kind of a, a gadget player. You can make an argument that maybe Irvin's just a better peer running back, but at the same token, you can't give Irvin, like, 20 carries a game consistently because he's just too small, whereas Patterson can actually take a little bit more of a beating. On the downside, as you mentioned, Alex, you know, Pat, you know, he just turned 30, so he's on the wrong side of that. And then, you know, he doesn't return punts either, which is a bummer. Is you know, if he, if he does both, 
he has a lot more value and because he just returned kicks and doesn't return punts. You, now you need to find a punt returner as well. But uh, let's just say this. Green Bay hasn't exactly had either for a long time, so getting one of the two still feels like an upgrade, and you get a gadget player on offense that fits really well with Matt LaFleur. So if you get him cheap, I, I, I just think it's a, a no-brainer. Nicely said, all intriguing names there. Excited to see how the remainder of free agency in this offseason plays out because, as mentioned, the Packers are the only team in the league to not make an an outside move uh, thus far in free agency. So it could still happen. It might still happen. Intrigued to see what does happen, but those are some names we're all taking a look at that are still out on the free market. At this point of the episode, I'd like to remind you of the Pack-A-Day podcast also on YouTube. It's a little bit different. It's just Andy, about 15 to 20 minutes every single day. And on Sunday's episode on the Pack-A-Day YouTube, he talked about five names that could potentially make a Robert Tunyon-like jump in 2021. So we're going to bring that topic into this show. Andy, I don't want you to run through all five names, but maybe the name that you enjoyed talking about the most, maybe a name you didn't get to in Sunday's YouTube video about who could make a Robert Tunyon-like jump in 2021 for the Green Bay Packers. A Lambo leap, if you will, even. But yeah, I think there's a Oh, a good dad joke, Andy. boy. I'll be here uh, I'll be here every Monday, so you can always catch me right here, plus on YouTube every day <laughs> if you like those type uh, but um, two names that I'll talk about today, and uh, hopefully I'm not stealing anything from either of the names that you guys wanted to talk about, but um, if, if, if I were betting, like, I don't know how much money you could bet, but any amount of money you want to bet, but uh, that there was a player on the Packers that, you know, went from basically a non-starting role into a Pro Bowl caliber player this year, I would bet money on MBS. Now, maybe that's a little weak because, you know, he has started games and as number three receiver is basically a starter. So maybe I'm not being totally fair there, but um, I just feel like he's so close. And I mentioned on the video that, like, it's just we're, we're ripe to get hurt by MBS again. Um, like, we've done this a lot over the course of the last three seasons. But to be fair, uh, for the last three seasons, I have not been one of those believers in MBS, and I have said I will wait until he proves it to me, especially going into last year um, when, you know, in 2018, he had an opportunity to, to really get started early um, with, with Mike McCarthy, and by the end of the year, on, he was on the bench. Uh, 2019, he had another chance, new coach in Matt LaFleur. By the end of the year, he was on the bench. And then 2020, we saw the pluses, but we also saw some of the big negatives, the fumble against Indy, the numerous big drops. So we've had the heartbreak with MVS, but at the same token, I really feel like we saw him take a major step this last season. I know he had the concentration drops, but his routes were better, stronger, and more confident, believe it or not. Um, and then he just looks like a much better all-around wide receiver. Remember, he had the big touchdown against Tampa, and if, if Rodgers hit him in stride a couple more times, we might have been talking about MVS being the savior of that NFC Championship game and the guy that got Green Bay to the Super Bowl. Him and Rodgers were just a literal like millisecond off on a couple other deep balls in that game where if they connect, again, the, the savior may have legitimately been MVS. And we've seen wide receivers take some meandering routes uh, to stardom in the past with Green Bay. Remember, Jordy Nelson had a bunch of drops, um, even in the Super Bowl, even though he had a huge game in that Super Bowl. He also dropped a bunch and then became, of course, one of the all-time great Packer receivers. Devontae Adams, we all know what happened in his sophomore season. Um, MVS could easily follow a very similar route. So that's an easy one for me. And then the other player that I think could take a, a bigger jump would be 
Chris Barnes. I just really liked what I saw to him when he was in there. I thought Green Bay's defense was at its best when Barnes was in that inside linebacker. They didn't have to take him off the field. He's good enough to cover, stop the run, good instincts. Not the most twitchy, you know, athletic guy in the world, but gets how to play the position, gets from point A to point B, um, and definitely good enough time for a linebacker, and just think that he could really be a, a true X factor in getting this defense to the next level next season. Like both of those answers, like that you went on both sides of the ball. Nice work, Andy. How about you, Perry? What names stick out to you? A, a, well, Ron, a Bobby <laughs> Biceps jump. I'm so glad that Andy, although he did too, did not take the one that I wanted to talk about. So this works out nicely. Um, I am going with A.J. Dillon. And I know that's probably like a super, super obvious choice. Um, but how can you not be excited about A.J. Dillon? Like he's being given every opportunity to make that jump, right? Jamal Williams has left in free agency. He's now with the Lions, which is sad that we'll see him twice a season. Um, But now A.J. Dillon has the opportunity to be that running back, too, with Aaron Jones and get used, hopefully, a lot more than he did for most of the season his rookie year. Um, I don't know if you all read Ty Dunn's article um, that he just put out uh, where he interviewed A.J. Dillon. It was phenomenal. So if you haven't, we'll plug there. but it just really outlined that he's ready, he's mentally there, physically there, trained up to, to take that spot. And I completely agree that he is the perfect one-two punch for, for Aaron Jones. And we saw what he was able to do against the Titans, and I know it was just one game, but it doesn't feel like an anomaly. It feels like that's the kind of back that he can be. And when given the opportunity and when he can get into that rhythm – um, he can really do some amazing things. And so I'm really excited to see what he can do. I'm honestly really excited for the chatter about his pick um, in the second round to end um, when he just trucks through everybody next season. So let me ask you this, Perry. Sitting at March 29th, what do you think his role will look like? Will it be similar to Jamal Williams from a year ago? Will it be much larger than Jamal Williams a year ago? Or is the jury still out? What do you think uh, sitting here on March 29th? I mean, there's what I think and what I hope. I mean, what I hope is that it's larger than Jamal Williams, right? I think that A.J. Dillon can do everything that Jamal did and a little bit more. Um, I think the question mark, and this is not something that I know um, or won't know unless I see it um, in training camp or something like that, is just like where is A.J. Dillon in pass pro because we know how important that is um, to this offense and to Matt LaFleur and to Rodgers, right? So if he can get there where where Jamal was, because Jamal honestly was phenomenal at that or is phenomenal at that, um, then I think that he can have a major role. And I think that it is – to everyone's benefit um, to, for him to take more snaps and let Aaron Jones, you know, not get that wear and tear on his body. They just resigned him to this big deal. We don't want him to get hurt, right? So um, I, I, Aaron Jones will still be the lead back, right? He's still going to have the most snaps, but I hope that it's a little bit more even than it was. I like that answer. I'm right, I'm right there with you. I, I hope he has more of an expanded role than Jamal did because, I mean, look, he's a genetic freak, and, you know, the small sample size we got out of him looks like he's ready to make an astronomical jump in year two. So I, I like that pick out of you, and I like uh, like the answer to the follow-up there. I'm going to stick on the offensive side of the ball as well, and I'm going to go with a guy uh, in the same position group, 
technically a fellow tight end, but also a guy that can play H-back. And that's Josiah DeGuara. We didn't get to see much of him, obviously, dealing with the injury in his rookie year. But it's a guy that fits right into the Matt LaFleur system. We were we were drooling over Josiah DeGuara last July and August as he was you know working in training camp. We understood what his role could potentially be. If he stays healthy in 2021, man, I think he could make a huge jump. He could play that H-back role. He can play some tight end. And I, I don't know. I'm really off the Jay Sternberger bandwagon. I don't know if I'm alone there, but I feel like everybody was really high on, on Jay Sternberger. Then Bobby Bisteps came around in 2020 and absolutely stole the show. Uh, Jace didn't play his best football by any means. I think there's room for Josiah DeGuara, and I think he'll make a very, very big jump in year number two uh, for him and obviously in the LaFleur system. He's, he's a guy perfect for the LaFleur system, so I think he makes a big jump. I like it. Him and Daphne have me very intrigued. Daphne's another interesting one. I know if you want to hear more of, of that analysis, you can find it in Andy's YouTube video, but uh, definitely two guys that, that work perfectly in this LaFleur system. So again, the Packaday Podcast YouTube channel, go join the 3,000 plus already subscribe and get your daily Andy Herman fix, because I know me and Perry both love waking <laughs> up with Andy Herman. All right, let's move on. Our draft coverage here on the Packaday Podcast begins this Thursday, April 1st. Our team switch up a little bit, uh, a little bit so we can cater our draft coverage best to you for the next month or so, a little bit over a month, beginning this Thursday, April 1st. But while we're together, guys, while we're together for the last time uh, for about a month as the APA, I want to know where your head's at uh, at March 29th. Who is the big draft crush that sticks out to you? Perry, I want to start with you here because I bet you've got a couple names that I haven't heard yet, and I'm really curious where your head's at because there's got to be at least one DB in there. <laughs> Both of my draft crushes are DBs, so there we go. Very wrong. Look, I look. I'm very aware of like where my strengths and weaknesses are, and there are people that are amazing at covering the draft. Um, I don't really watch college football. This is not my thing, so I stick to the positions that I enjoy, right? So I look at defensive backs, and both of my draft crushes are defensive backs. And honestly, the last time the Packers drafted uh, one of my draft crushes, he turned out to be an all-pro corner. So I'm um, – no, I'm joking. Um, but I have – I don't know who I choose. I mean, there's there's two – um, that come to mind, and I guess I'll go. Everyone's really high on Greg Newsom right now, so I guess maybe I'll skip him because he's just like shot up the draft boards. And if he fell to 29, I'd be ecstatic. Um, but my draft, my other one, and my original one, I guess, is Elijah Molden, which is um, he's more of a nickel slot guy out of Washington. Um, and I think Packers Twitter might erupt if they chose another defensive back out of. Uh, University of Washington, um, but he could not be more opposite from Kevin King, right? He's only 5'10", 191, but he plays, like, so much harder and tougher than his size. Like, I think he, like, outplays his size, if that makes sense, and he's super athletic. Um, I like his instincts. I like his football IQ. Um, I think he's, like, a super ball hockey, but his interceptions aren't really, like, they're not right place, right time, right? Like, they're him being aggressive at the catch point and having, like, really nice route awareness. So I think he'd be a really nice upgrade in the middle of the field coverage and seems to me like someone who'd be an immediate starter. So I would love if the Packers drafted Elijah Molden. And our new defensive coordinator just touted how important the, the nickel role is. So there you go. There did you, you say two of them or did I miss it? 
It's Greg Newsome too, but like I said, he's okay. He's high on everybody's list now, so I chose a different one. The the good thing about Elijah Molden, and you mentioning that you know people will freak out if the Packers draft another corner from the University of Washington, is that Keith Taylor, the other cornerback from the University of Washington, is basically like a Kevin King style clone. So hopefully Packers fans will maybe rally around their anger towards Keith Taylor a little bit more, who cannot get involved in the run game in any way, shape, or form. Long, lanky corner. He's interesting. He's a fun corner if Green Bay didn't select Kevin King previously, uh, but. I just can't imagine them going back to that well. Uh, that would be an ultimate uh, nightmare for Packer fans. But Elijah Molden is so insanely different, as you mentioned uh, so wonderfully, um, that him as a slot – I mean, he's Micah Hyde, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, could play some nickel corners, some safety, ball skills for days. Not the most twitchiest athletic guy in the world, but um, just knows every angle to take and everything. So uh, very Micah Hyde-y, not Kevin Kingy at all. So uh, Packer fans will like that at least. Um <laughs> I was with you, actually, Perry. I'm, I'm sticking in the same position group, and as you know, I've been um, you know, studying this group quite a bit as well. Does it not feel like Greg Newsom is this year's Justin Jefferson, the guy that everyone wants at a huge position of need? Everyone realizes that he's really damn good, and he's going to go like five picks before Green Bay gets him. Like, that's a million percent Greg Newsom this year. Yep. Yes, 100%. It's a million percent Greg like. Even if Green Bay trades up to 25, he'll go 24. Like, it's just Greg Newsom, and probably in the division, um, he'll, you know, just sign him up for the, you know, probably the Bears now or something. Who knows? Um, but it, it just feels like he's this year's Justin Jefferson. But love, love, love Greg Newsom. Um, you know, Perry, you and I have spoken. Uh, it, it, he's very Jair Alexander-like. N- nobody has the, the the pure twitchiness of of Alexander and how he can flip his hips and close to the football. Uh, Alexander's rare, rare, rare. But at six feet, Newsom does things that are eerily similar, which is scary. And he is so fun. So absolutely a draft crush that you know we can pretty much all earmark for the NFC North, uh, not the Green Bay Packers, and like two picks before Green Bay takes them. But um, Asante Samuel Jr. and Afatu Melifanwu are two other corners that I just love in this draft as well. To me, if Samuel was two inches taller, he would have been a top 10 pick in the number one corner in this draft. And I think you could have said the exact same thing about Jair Alexander. Um, or if he was two inches taller, he would have went, you know, top 10 overall and would have been the number one corner in that draft. And, um, you know, I just I, I see a very similar play style. I think he can play zone. I think he can play man. I think he can play inside or outside. I don't think he's just a nickel corner. I love his mentality. He's got the bloodlines. Uh, I just everything about Samuel I love to death. Except, you know, save for the five ten height, and you'd have to ask the question as to whether or not you'd be okay with two five ten guys on the outside, which could cause problems when you're going up against, uh, you know. A, you know, whoever, whatever big wide receiver that you want to, you know, go against on any given Sunday. But, um, you know, that's the one question on the flip side. Afitu Melifanwu for Syracuse, you know, didn't exactly, you know, play at the the number one, um, you know, university that's pumping out prospects every year in Syracuse, but, and had a brother who kind of was a super freak second round pick and quickly flamed out of the NFL. Uh, but don't judge it or his name. He is a freak outside at corner who is much more polished as a defensive back than his brother was. Didn't have the injury history that Obi did. 
and just, you know, an impact tackler who is physical, um, will set, you know, whatever you need to do on the outside if they want to run at him, will not uh, shy away from contact at all, um, can play with bigger wide receivers, can play with smaller wide receivers, just love everything about him. And to me, if they left with Newsom, Samuel, or Melifonwu um, at the end of round one, I would be as happy as happy could be. I like those picks. You guys go all defense. So I'm going to flip to the offensive side of the ball. We know the Packers Nation uh, loves the fact that the Packers didn't draft a wide receiver, not only in the first round last year, but not at all last year. Uh, while I wouldn't be shocked if they do the same thing this year, I'm going to hope they don't and go like second or third round for a receiver, particularly this one who I'm starting to crush on. Amari Rogers out of Clemson. Now, does it help that Trevor Lawrence was his quarterback in college? Yes, it does. Does it help that his last name is Rogers, spelled the exact same as, as uh, potentially his future quarterback in Green Bay? Yes, it does. But does it also help that he is a slot receiver that the Packers don't really have a great suitor for? Yes, it does. Does it help that he's got terrific vertical speed and could absolutely uh, bring something really, really explosive to this Packers offense? A 4-4-40, only 5-9.5, about uh, 2-10. A great speed, as I mentioned, uh, both horizontally and vertically. And, and a real slot guy. He's a real slot receiver, which, like I mentioned, the Packers really don't have. So he's projected to be like a mid-second, third-round pick. It's somebody the Packers could definitely uh, reach for or, or even wait around for. Uh, but we'll see as, obviously, we, we, we get closer to the draft where his stock fluctuates to. But, but I've really liked what I've watched uh, out of Amari Rodgers. So that's, that's my draft pick as we stand right now. Andy, uh, do you know anything on Amari Rodgers? Any input on that? Yeah, absolutely. He he absolutely fits. Uh, you know, he just feels like a slot receiver in Green Bay. Very, very Randall Cobb like. Yeah. Um, built in the lower body where he breaks a ton of tackles. You hear five nine and you're like, eh, smallish wide receiver, but he runs so hard and so physical. You watch any game and you will see uh, corners and defensive backs just bounce off his lower half. Um, true slot wide receiver. Uh, but the thing that I loved about him, where if you're looking for some connections to Green. Um, very willing as a run blocker. Again, you hear 5'9", and you're like, well, Green Bay likes those bigger wide receivers, guys that can get involved as a blocker. He is a very willing blocker as well. Um, you know, they like those jet sweeps, those little wide receiver screens that you can throw to the outside. Rodgers fits that very, very well. Um, and who doesn't want another A-Rodge on the team? So um, a million percent, I, he, he very much feels like a, a Packer. Now, uh, I definitely would not pick, um, or I would be hesitant to say that uh, Green Bay will go, you know, under 5'10", wide receiver, uh, you know, just under Brian Gutekunst. He seems, in, in, in general, they like their, their bigger 6'4", 6'5", wide receivers. So I'll kind of believe it when I see it, but um, would make so much sense in the slot for Green Bay. So I, I love the idea there, Alex. He feels like a Packer. I like when people say that because that totally means they're going to whiff on him and not get him and let me down uh, here in about a month <laughs> as we lead up to the NFL draft. Well, this was a lot of fun. What a fun um, Monday morning episode uh, this was. We covered a lot of a lot of ground. Now, Perry, I know you weren't feeling super energetic at the beginning of the episode. We're now about 45 minutes removed from that. Can you give us a pep talk to start the week as we wrap up this episode of the Packaday Podcast? Uh, sure. I guess that's my job these days. I don't know, guys. We're going into draft season. It's so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you know sometimes the Packers tend to to let their fans down when it comes to the draft, but. 
you know, the hope and the anticipation of who are they going to pick is, is the fun of it, right? It's, it's a lot of the fun of it. Then we can, we don't have to think about what's going to happen afterwards, right? Just get excited. We're going to have a, a bunch of new guys, maybe not 10. I think the Packers will kind of package some of their picks and move up, but we might have about seven or eight new Packers on the roster. That's great. So super pumped for draft season. Super yeah, pumped for draft season. I'm right there with you, Perry. And, you know, just as you were mentioning earlier, Alex, just some some fun people that are going to be joining us. I'll kind of go over the new teams that will be starting this April for draft season. Uh, Jacob Westendorf uh, is going to be dro- joined, rejoined by Rob Rieger, who joined us for draft season last year, um, Is you know covers the draft nonstop throughout the year. I'm really excited to bring him in for the draft. And then Eli Berkovitz will be joining Jacob and Rob as well as Eli joins us for the first time for draft season. So super excited about that team. That'll be every Thursday through April and early May. Um, Maggie Loney is going to be joining Andrew and Kyle on Fridays, which I'm super excited about. Um, Dan Kotnick is going to be taking Jason's place on Saturdays and will join Paul and Mark every Saturday. Um, Sundays is going to be Mike and Gage still, but they're going to be joined by Matt Fralick. Mondays will either be myself and Ben Fennel or myself and Perry. Um, maybe we'll even have a super episode with all three of us on, which would be tons of fun. Um, Ross and Jacob will go every Tuesday. And then Wednesday, our partner in crime here, Alex Strofe, will be joined uh, by our two big draft experts that we're bringing in as well, um, Russ Brown as well as Owen Reese. Um, and I think that's going to be a ton of fun. They're going to be you know, breaking down some offensive linemen uh, in, in early and mid-April, which will be a ton of fun. Um, so I can't wait for that team as well. So with a lot of great draft minds that are going to be discussing the draft this April and early May. So we'll have you completely covered over the course of the next month and a half. Going to be a blast. Looking forward to it. That's Andy Herman as well as Perry Goldstein. They're both brilliant. They're both wonderful. And I appreciate both of their times on this Monday. My name is Alex Strofe. I hope you have a fantastic week. Thanks so much for kicking it with us. We'll talk to you real soon. Peace. class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring this podcast unified healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by energy enhancement system or ee system if you haven't heard of the ee system you'll want to listen up this technology promotes wellness deep relaxation purification and rejuvenation at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system.